today I'll be going over why disciple. Uh, I just wanted to begin with, um, in 2009, there was a author called Simon Sinek who, who wrote a book about <clears throat> Start With Why, uh, which he basically went over why companies developed um, their like company logos or their co company aspirations. Um, so that's... So I just wanted us to take a look at, like, why are we asking the question why disciple, why we should disciple? So for discipling, we'll look into this in this lesson. And the key motivation or the key understanding of asking the question why is to see the aspiration or motivation behind uh, why a person is interested in that particular field. So... Some examples is like why do you why do you work or like why do you work in the particular field? It's because is it because you're interested or what motivates you to pursue that work or desire? And so for us, we'll be taking a look at why we why disciple. <clears throat> so before we continue on, I wanted us to uh, do a quick recap of. Uh, Trey's lesson, and does anybody remember what Brother Trey taught us last time? Okay, so <clears throat> Brother Trey taught us that we should be deliberate in our disciple making, and then he also taught us that uh, we could disciple mature believers or younger believers in Christ. Uh, so now we're going to take a look at the foundation of why we should disciple. And the two reasons, primary reasons why we should disciple, the first one is being uh, our joy in him. And the second one being God's glory. So right now we're going to delve deeper into our joy in him. So when we look at the first reason, two questions may come up. What does this mean? Or how is this not selfish? So the Bible will answer this question for us, and we will take a look at these following passages to understand or answer these questions. So I wanted to like us to go over Philippians, if anybody could read uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 5. It should be on the handout. I'll read for this version. Mm -hmm. I thank my God every time I remember you. All my prayers from all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 2. If, any, if, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from the love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Okay, and uh, Philippians 4.1. Therefore, my brothers, um, you who I whom I love and long for my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, your friends. Okay, and um, <clears throat> Romans sixteen nineteen. 
out here obedient, for I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And Second Corinthians seven four. Sorry, that's yeah, just seven four. Um, <clears throat> and then First Thessalonians two nineteen through twenty. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Second John one four. I'll, I'll read that for us. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as your, the Father commanded us. So from these verses, we could see how Paul and John are encouraged with the knowledge that they were used by God to help build up brothers and sisters in Christ, which is the reason why they are joyful. So that is why we shouldn't be afraid to be joyful when we see our brothers and sisters go grow in Christ or when we uh, participate in helping them grow in Christ. It's a, that's similar how to we take natural pleasures in seeing other people succeed in life. We should take pleasure in seeing others grow in Christ. <clears throat> so how much more, brothers and sisters, should we be encouraged or take joy in one another when we see somebody win over a spiritual battle? Or how much more should we take joy in seeing them being mature in Christ or becoming less worldly? <clears throat> For this reason, our joy in our brothers and sisters in Christ are <clears throat> helps build one another up in and similarly, our joy in Paul as children of the word, we are supposed to walk in truth. So as for the second question, so why is, so is this joy selfish? In other words, when we lead others or have others become more Christ-like, is that an ambition that pleases man? Or is that an ambition that pleases God? Or is it an ambition that glorifies God? Based on the verses that we read and what we talked about before, we can conclude that the joy is not of the world, but of God. Because God supremely loved us and he gave, he gave his son for us so on the cross to die for all, all our sins so that we could have eternal life. And through that, the gift of discipling, brings glory to our triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus never lives for himself, we are to live similarly to him, living our life for the spiritual benefit of others and for God's glory, but not superseding Christ himself because he is Lord over all. <clears throat> so the second reason we will take a look at is for why we should disciple is for God's glory. Earlier in the first reason, we saw that we should 
discipleship brings us joy in our lives with one another, and we see when we see others mature in their faith. And the primary focus of that joy was not to bring ourselves glory, but to bring God glory. So if we take a look at John 15, 1 through 8, the verses read, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruits unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does nothing, not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So there is a lot of information going on these verses. Um, we'll take a look at the first few verses and delve deeper into that question again of <clears throat> why of God's glory. And so in verse 1, if we take a closer look there, we could see that God the Father is the gardener of his own vineyard, and Jesus himself is the vine which gives us life. If, if we think about this illustratively, when people eat fruits that taste good, they usually ask, where does that fruit come from? And usually where that fruit comes from, comes from the gardener who takes care of his plants very well. And with that, the vine itself provides rich nutrients for the plants to become more fruitful. So, who does the plant glorify in the end? Does it glorify itself or does it glorify the gardener? We, we could say that it glorifies the gardener. And so similarly, when we become more fruitful, we are glorifying Christ or God the Father and God the Father. <clears throat> so. And then the next verses, verse, if you take a look at verse 6 and 7, Jesus gives a sharp contrast of what it is not like to glorify the Father. <clears throat> the sharp contrast is that those who do not glorify the Father do not bear fruit, <clears throat> while those who are in Christ bears much fruit. And so, why should we bear fruit? I, I would ask you as that. Um, the reason is because we need to bear fruit for to display the glory of Christ and to show the world that we are truly disciples of His. <clears throat> so the second reason of God's glory, or God, receive, God receiving glory, is that we are to lay down our lives for one another, just like how Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. So... Let us take a look, closer look at verses 9 through 17 where, to see this fruit that is described here. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed 
my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruits that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my commands. Love each other. Again, we see in this, these verses that we first need to abide in Christ before we are to bear fruits to one another. And after abiding in Christ, we are able to follow the God's commandments and also be obedient to Christ himself. So what is the result of obeying Christ and the Father's commandments? Is it for is it that your joy is complete in him? I would say yes because it is he has completed our joy and we don't need to seek any other worldly satisfactions. <clears throat> So with that joy, we can see that it, the joy produces the fruits with the, the joy is the field to the fruits, uh, which produces abundant amounts of fruits in our lives. So the next, the first mark of the spiritual fruit of love I wanted to take a look at is verse 13. Love is described as laying down one's life for his friends, which is the ultimate kind of Jesus uh, love that Jesus displayed on the cross. But it, laying down one's life for his friends, for us, does that mean we could save anyone from God's sin, I mean God's wrath towards our sin? Because Jesus is the only begotten Son of God who could, or Son of Man that could atone for our sins. So what does this do? laying one downs one life for us? If we ask the question of what was the result of Jesus' death on the cross for us, we could say that he gave us a loving relationship with the triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He provided us joy that both the Father and Christ enjoy and gave us the ability to bear fruit for others. And he completed our joy. So brothers and sisters, let us bear fruit towards one another. Draw us closer to the triune God to remind us of our joy. And how our joy is part of the fathers and the sons and not of the world. And that our joy is complete by him. <clears throat> so unlike any joy that this world has to offer, there is no amount of joy that this world has to offer to make us feel complete. Unlike unbelievers who are constantly seeking to fulfill their enjoyment. So therefore, brothers and sisters, for those of you who have not begun pouring out your lives to others, I would encourage us to pour our lives one drop at a time. For those of you on the receiving end, I would encourage you to Seek opportunities to be discipled. 
And there, I also wanted to add that there is no requirement for discipling. You do not have to be older, or you do not have to be have years of experience. Yes, they do contribute to the factor of discipling, but that is not an ultimatum. <clears throat> so, with discipleship, it's an ongoing process of sharing each other's lives and building another one another up in Christ. Mm. And each Christian is called to pour out their lives for fellow members of the body to the capacity that God has given them. One person may pour either a drop or two to one another, while another brother or sister may be pouring out a bottle of water, while others may be providing an ocean for other believers to swim in. So this is not to say that one is better than the other because they are all necessary. And this is not to say that martyrdom is necessary for the spiritual over of benefits of other believers. But this is to say that we need to constantly be pouring out our lives for one another and discipling one another. Only a few Christians are called to martyrdom and praise the Lord for them who seek to spread the gospel to unreached people groups. But as children as the Lord of the Lord, we should focus on providing eternal fruits for those who are currently around us that God has placed in our lives, dedicating our time and energy to meet their spiritual needs so that they can eternally prosper instead of momentarily. Encourage them when they are despondent or low in spirits, brothers and sisters. Remind them how joy, their joy is complete in Christ and God the Father. Weep with them when they are grieving. Rejoice with them when they are rejoicing. And so the second reason of God's glory is to make a, known of what he has taught us. So, which is found in his word. This is why we can see this through Jesus' Jesus' example, because he shared the knowledge with his disciples that he learned from his father. And because his disciples loved us, they wrote the scriptures for us, instead of hoarding the truth to themselves to grow the body of the church. So brothers and sisters, this is why we should share God's word with one another and not seeing sharing our knowledge from God's word as being arrogant or rude. That is a loving action as long as we share what we learn from Scripture. We heard from Scripture, <clears throat> we learned from Scripture, heard from Scripture, or memorized from Scripture. It is a loving action. This is one of the greatest gifts of salvation, that he has given us knowledge and the ability to understand his word. And the reason why we should share the gospel to unbelievers too, <clears throat> um, because it is, the truth of God's word, which he gifted to us. So brothers and sisters, whenever we meditate on God's word, we should share it with one another. Whenever someone is undergoing a trial, we should remind them of the truth of God's word. Through his character, we, I mean, through his word, we can understand his character more. Whenever we find a book or a sermon or a video that is encouraging to us, we should share it with fellow members in Christ to remind them of God's glory. 
This now, this is not to say that we are experts in the Bible, like seminary professors or pastors, but it's to share the simple truths with one another, which the Holy Spirit has illuminated in our minds. Brothers and sisters, what a great privilege it is to have abil- the ability to share God's word and truth amongst God's people. <clears throat> it should be considered a great honor. Consider how the prophets and the priests bore the responsibilities to share God's word to God's people in the Old Testament. Moses was one of those prophets through which God revealed his truth to his people. God's truth was so holy that Moses had to wear a veil because the Israelites could not bear the sight of God's truth. But brothers and sisters, we do not need a veil to shield us from God's truth anymore. We have his word in our hands, which we can read and understand according to the Holy Spirit, and which we could share amongst one another, which not all Israelites could do. Therefore, brothers and sisters, how much more should we share God's word and truth to one another? How much more should we share an encouraging video or book or sermon to one another? And that is why we should share truth with one another so that we could be fruitful to one another and grow our faith in him.